Welcome to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern, the show that helps you turn your printing company into a bionic business. Here is your host, Ross Edwards. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Inkspire podcast, where each week we cover at least one of the three strategies that will help you build a bionic business, technology, culture, and process. Each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to chat about their experience and insight into being bionic and leading the way in the ever-changing industry of print. And today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Anthony Thrillby, um, who is the co-founder of um, Venn Holdings, which is a, a technology-driven print group across commercial labels and packaging sectors. Uh, and after years in the print industry and traveling all over the world as a consultant, Anthony has built up a lot of knowledge and experience, uh, which we'll go into. Uh, most recently, he has acquired a JDP with Ben Holdings. After turning the business around in under three months, Anthony is here to talk about the three topics that make the Inspire podcast what it is, people, process and technology. So, Anthony, would you like to go into a bit more detail about your experience uh, and, and, and perhaps tell us what led you to founder Ben Holdings, please. Yeah, absolutely. So um, good morning to everybody. Good morning, Ross. Uh, so Anthony Thelby, um, man and boy in the print trade since the age of 24. Previously to that, I was a failed professional footballer for several years. Then had to work for a living after the, the football trade chucked me out. So I've worked across commercial books, transactional, DM. Uh, so I became uh, first managing director at the age of 24. And then subsequently uh, was my first introduction into the Tharston world, where I met Andrew Strand and Keith back in 2000 at a company called Pepper Communications. Subsequently um, moved on to a business called ESP Color, where we started to develop one of the first true JDF workflows worldwide. And in sort of continuity with that sort of uh, approach, ended up delivering Heidelberg's uh, most productive site worldwide across three different press platforms. And then subsequently with the Codec Next Press had the highest performing, uh, I think it was two two units in EMEA for three years. But obviously Tharson was a heartbeat of that for me. I was then approached by Heidelberg in 2015 to do worldwide consultancy for their sales force on how we managed to leverage so much um, productivity from, from their equipment and their software. Um, at that time, I also worked alongside a company called PurePrint Group in the UK, which at the time was the largest and fastest growing commercial company in the country. We moved into point of sale and packaging and boutique digital um, at that time introduced Tharson into them so transferred them from a Shuttleworth user into a Tharson user which I think at the time was the second largest installation Tharson had done and again with the forefront of integration and automation to drive the business forward I then got approached by Heidelberg in 2016 again to head up the software division worldwide and then the whole development of something that was created at ESP called Push to Stop which was about um, purely about machine learning and actually how you control the, um, the pneumatics, the air systems, the software infrastructure, the color control. And then went around the world, as you said, Ross, for luckily for four years until the pandemic oh. hit. I was going to say, all I ever saw on your LinkedIn post was uh, during that time was there was a, a, a flurry of different destinations. <laughs> you couldn't keep up. <laughs> now, so we're quite lucky over the years at ESP. We, um, as, a, as a show site for yourselves, we had people mm. from Australia and and Scandinavia, and then subsequently America and Canada, where I've built up some of the relationships you guys have obviously enhanced over the years. I was, I was very fortunate, I said I was averaging 100 flights a year. Um, 
which sounds great, but at the time it's very difficult when you're going across mm. four or five different time zones in the space of three weeks. But I was very, very fortunate and um, met some wonderful people, learned some great things, and hope that I assisted uh, that organization in develop, um, developing their product to market and understanding the customer centricity about you don't just buy a piece of equipment and it runs itself. You know, the whole ecosystem and infrastructure around it is the most important components you need to build. Mm. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was lucky that I had um, 12 core customers on behalf of Heiberg Worldwide, who I still consulted from, from Japan to Mexico to America. And then a good friend of mine, Andy Ray, who had been my Heidelberg contact alongside a gentleman called Mark Singer from 2009 onwards, um, had been working as head of um, US equipment in North America, which Keith and the guys knew when you started to develop your own North American market. Um, and he was always fascinated about how we had created what we created over the years. And he then subsequently moved on to Conan and Bauer as head of worldwide marketing. And then uh, a hypothetical conversation several times on Andy's behalf saying that he would love for us to do something together. Um, I said, OK, we'll, we'll do something in the next year or so. Contacted uh, Compass Finance, who we knew well. And literally from a hypothetical phone call on a Tuesday afternoon, we arrived down at John Dolan's within a week and then bought the business within two weeks. So that then um, realistically was a business that was a traditional jobbing, you know, good trade commercial print company, fast and user. Um, Pre-COVID was turning over three million. During COVID, that had dropped down to less than a million. So when we arrived in March, for the first three days, we literally had two orders coming to the building which was a little bit of a reality check when you just spend a, a fair few million pounds on acquiring buildings in a business. Um, yeah. But the it's great a, thing... A bit of a scary time, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we completely went in it with a, with a startup mindset. Hmm. So no legacy, no politics. Um, I was lucky that I could attract, you know, a good 10 to 12 people that worked with me previously, which took time for those guys to come in. So we then started to consolidate the platforms of how we printed. So we went from three LIFO machines down to one. We then consolidated into an only a B2 um, platform, rebuilt the estimating system, rebuilt the cost centers, obviously done the upgrade path with yourselves, developed the Prenect and the sort of the print OS world and understanding the DFE architecture. And it really just went on a very fast, accelerated, aggressive growth plan. So we, we quadrupled in size in three months, then we grew by, say, 500% compound. Um, and then we started to really hit the automation in July, August of last year. Mm. Uh, I think we covered off, you know, at that time we were doing 15 jobs a day. We're now up to 250 jobs a day being processed through the factory. Yeah. No, addi no additional headcount. And it's a journey, you know, you make some big mistakes along the way, but we're nimble and agile enough to make sure that we, you know, process correct as we go. So. We arrived in 2021 with, you know, a very clear vision of how we want to, you know, move the move the group forward into different sectors and different segments. We finalised our second acquisition in December, which has taken the business up to a cumulative sales of 10 million. So we've gone from a million to 10 million in 10 months. Um, I have another two acquisitions at due diligence stage right now, which should hopefully, by the legal process, complete in the first quarter of this year. And then, you know, same same strategy, you know, different sectors. Um, you know, we don't need to contaminate our own sales channels. You know, it's very much driven into different areas and different sectors to ensure that we're as robust as possible over a calendar year. Mm. Uh, and so um, what's the vision now, you know, behind acquisitioning 
different businesses and stuff. What, 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 where, where did that thought come from? What, what's the, 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 the vision and the where you want to get it to, Anthony? I think for me, you get to learn many different things when you deal with, you know, many facets of businesses worldwide. And this isn't about being a big business, you know. I keep getting mm. asked, where's what's the exit? Is it to grow a hundred million group? Now the strategy is to actually enjoy what we do first and foremost. Um, yeah. Secondary to push the industry into different areas where it's not comfortable right now, because I believe that we can extract more than anybody in terms of output capabilities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, third is to develop people to you know, hopefully in the next five to ten years, come through and buy different businesses off us. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's sort of an idea. It's not the thing is, also strategy. Strategy, as you know, in this industry, changes every quarter. You know, so of course, yeah. For us, it's more a case of getting hold of fully unencumbered businesses. So there's no point putting debt on top of debt. I found within the sort of the, the small B1, B2 space in the commercial market, there are some very good companies about where. The ownership of an age where they want to exit and they don't want to invest another couple of million to go again mm. you know and we're quite lucky you know um growing businesses is is hard but it's quite easy to understand what it is you're trying to extract and i've always said i don't want to be all things to all people you know we're very good in certain areas and very bad in other areas and mm. my, my job is to make sure as a business that we continue to drive that forward using technology at the forefront of everything we do because this is a capitally intensive industry, and if you don't understand how to return your, you know, recover your overhead very quickly, it can be very difficult to get returns. So, for us, the strategy is quite simple. You know, deploying technology, having a very simple operating system that allows us to, you know, have growth with the same headcount. Yeah, and gradually build ourselves into a hub and spoke model around the country, especially in the commercial market, where geographically a lot of what I would say smaller successful commercial companies serve a local market. You know, sort of north of England is attractive to us. The southwest of England is attractive to us. We've got a positioning in the south, which then services London, mm-hmm. you know. And I think for us, it's, you know, I've had over 40 phone calls and approaches in nine months. I mean, I, w- I was going to ask you that. Right? How, it went, you know, when you're looking to acquisition a business, and uh, how do you come across the business? Obviously, some businesses directly put themselves up for sale and things like that, but often that's not the way that you acquisitions come about is it and, and so how 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 do you find these i guess essentially what to you are leads of, of yeah no, I, opportunities? I, I, ironically we've had a couple come through via obviously um let's call um acquisition vehicles in terms mm. of corporate, corporate finance businesses that are out there trying to tell the business about I, yeah. I i'm i suppose i'm quite lucky in a way that we've been very well networked over the year over the mm. years sorry and um you know all the approaches that we have then got to you know, combine the acquisitions that we've done the two to date. One was a recommendation. The second was a phone call. Stephen, who was the owner of Goblins, rang me. Yeah. Um, asking if we would be interested in a discussion. The two other ones that we've got to the stages have both been direct contact again. Mm. Um, and, and for us, I think it's more of a case, you know, it's, a, a, you know, a set of P&L, management accounts and finance, you can tell you one thing, but fundamentally you need to understand the personality that's been running that business. And if yeah. you, if you can, support what they've developed and what they've created. I think COVID accelerates a lot of people's decision-making processes. So to, to answer your question, it's been more of a, of a, a case of people that have built up a network growth over the years to date. That's not to say I had an email last night from a, another company saying that there was another opportunity which is done via third party. So there's no, yeah. direct, no direct science to it. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's just always interesting to know that sort of side of things. And. And, and I mean, clearly, you've got a, a, a history, a, a pattern of 
of of, of taking a business as well and, 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 and helping businesses to to become more streamlined and and, and to to systemize which I think is 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 the core of what of, of what you do with a lot of you know the businesses you work with. But and so is is that something you found has really benefited you that when you're looking at a, a, a business that you're considering that you're are you looking at through the lens of you know what can I do differently or? or yeah, or, I think uh, or, I think the thing is I think the, the biggest problem that you've got in in print in general, Ross, is everybody believes that business is different and unique. Mm. Absolute absolute rubbish absolute rubbish you still get a file you still do a proof you still submit an order you still process an order you still put an ink or an ink application onto a piece of substrate put it into a box and invoice it so once you get the emotional attachment emotional in terms of our qualities better listen it's all absolute rubbish you know i can print beautifully below a delta of one just as well as anyone but i can do it as speed and i can do it as process i think the thing for me fundamentally as i said is about cross-sector population you know you need to understand it you know, general commercial printers will have six or seven months a year where they were busy. The other five, six months are struggling to recover their overhead. I've always tried to utilize technology to have the lowest operating costs in the market. Yeah. So that's what my job is. Um, so for me, in terms of the, once you strip out the emotional context, yeah. um, you know, having a process orientated business philosophy is, is not new. It's not clever. It's just, I have a very firm belief of how things need to be done. There's a very firm delivery into that and to the team I work with. Yeah, yeah. and we, well, we cannot be all things to all people. It's impossible. But I, I can cater for 96% of print. So I'll, I'm more than happy to look after 96% that's available to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and I guess with the different strands to the business, that, that, that just gives you more flexibility, doesn't it, as well? Absolutely. And I think the good thing is, you know, is that, we, you know, why I spent so much time and effort and cost into getting the infrastructure right from a technology perspective, because we've created something now that's completely scalable. Yeah, and I think I think that is is the key of it. In hearing what you're saying there, it's like you've you've looked at that business as a business approach and broke it down to its core components of you know yeah there is finer detail to it and and we understand that that different. Um, you know, different artwork creates different challenges and all them sort of things. But you broke it down to its its core components to to, to then say this is the core process, uh, and which has then I guess that then has helped you to systemize it and 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 ultimately, like you say, to be able to then make it scalable. Um, Actually, yeah, I think the biggest difficulty people have is this famous word "full." You know, now the world yeah. is coming back. You know, client activity, hospitality, tour, tourism. You know, all the different sectors are showing a more positive outlook and using printed matter. You know, I've worked in this trade for 25 years and I've never been full. You cannot fill every cost center, it's impossible. Mm. So so my, my job is to try and educate the people is that we have a system that allows us to process and order quicker than most of our competition. Yes, we have printing capacity issues, which is about product orientation. Yeah. But actually by creating, you know, transparency and visual references, I can control the product next it comes into the business. And that that's... That's what you have in terms of education, Ross, is the case of once you have a product, a production process, once the order's in the system, the, the guy's job is to produce that job on time and at the cost we've provided. My yeah. job is to ensure that we have a funnel of sales and opportunity that allows us to have that continuity of product going through the factory. So we don't look at job to job isolation. We look at product orientation of what we produce. So from a costing mechanism, it makes it a lot easier from, from an estimating perspective of you know, our go to market price. 
secondary from an automation process, we treat the products as if they're four core components. And repetition is everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. Yeah. I don't yeah. I, I don't need and I don't want which sounds a little bit sort of overstated. I don't need human decision making processes inside the business. I need exceptional people who can follow a process and enhance the process by developing different tech around it. I, I think this, this is it. It's quite interesting. We, we, we're just preparing at the moment to um, to do a part, part of our class on TV. Um, and we, we, one of the first um, topics we're going to cover on that, that as part of the channel is uh, is, is on systemization. Mm-hmm. Uh, because and, and it, it's the more and more you look into this, and it's not rocket science, but it's it it's like when you look at, um, for example, um, scheduling. As, as, mm-hmm. Why what what you often find with businesses is is the scheduling system is is a specific person's scheduling system rather than the business's scheduling system and that can often be the challenge in systemizing that process because you because you've, you've got to you've got to break that down and 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 i think that falls in line really with what you're saying there that it's about having the right people who can follow the process and and administer that process and and probably develop that process as well rather than somebody who has their own way of doing it that doesn't yeah, serve I think that, that, I think I, I, it's one of the things i've sort of always preached worldwide is when you ask people do they have a scheduling strategy they say yeah of course i say what is it we delivered a job on time that's not a strategy it's a necessity yeah when you actually understand you know and i think keith used one of my graphics before 55 percent of the life cycle of a job is spent before a plate or dfe is submitted 55 percent yeah. So your efficiency of press is only a byproduct of your pre-production process. So scheduling strategy is about having choice. You only create choice through automation. And this is what, you know, I find so exciting still with our industry. We're 2022 and integration and automation is still no further forward than it was 15 years ago in terms of truly what the capability is. What you have is a secondary situation now where output capabilities are increasing, but none of the manufacturers understand the funnel that you need to feed that. Yeah. So, so the, the whole thing, when you strip it back, scheduling is the most important thing in an organization. It's, yeah. where you, it's where you lose and make money in a heartbeat. And that's why my focus is always being last sheet, first sheet on a press production and last product to finish product in terms of post press. And scheduling is, is the heartbeat of everything. Yeah. 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 You know, that's why it's been quite interesting working with our colleagues now at Colvin. And, you know, we, we had a discussion about they're, they're full, you know, they're full on press until next Monday. And uh, what does that mean? You have working until next Monday. Yes, you're not full. And it's about education. You know, you have good loaded hours until then, but there's different ways yeah. of batching, different way of actually creating capacity. And for me, coming back into it is, you know, I've always said, estimate, estimating drives the whole business. Absolutely the most important thing you can ever do, not just in terms of conversion of order, but product optimization, about standardization inside your quoting system. You know, I'd say eight out of ten printers still didn't understand how they deliver a quotation to the customer. That's a scary statistic, but it's a fact. Most people I look at worldwide still have a fantastic opportunity from receipt of inquiry to sellable sheet on press is still the biggest battleground for any printing company as a general rule of thumb. And, and I mean, that was quite interesting what you said there, you know, that, that with your colleagues at Colvins, that the... the they were full until Monday, but but actually you're looking at that differently and saying you're not. And, 
just can we just drill into that a little bit more, Anthony? Are you meaning that that, that they could squeeze more capacity out? Yeah, of it, I, I think I think it's just a case of listen. You've got pallet movement, you've got space requirements, you've got artwork submissions, you've got approval processes, you've got customers um, approval process that then delivers different things downstream. When you look at anything, the only real, true bottleneck in any business is bindery post press. So when you start looking at batching products together and you start looking at actually, yeah, but this customer does that, but this customer does that, forget all that, to the printing press, it understands how many colors are going down and what the micron is in the material that's printing. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, on average, a sheet size change on a LiFo press t- uh, takes 22 minutes to go in and out of a sheet size. So just by having a little bit of visibility, having approval pro- approval process accelerated, you know, yeah. you, can, you can easily free up 20 to 25% of printing time because printers, generally because it's the highest capital investment we'll always look at their press first to give them a guidance of what their loading is like you just happen to do printing as a byproduct of manufacturing a printed product so it's a completely reversed process and reverse engineering you i see yeah uh, yeah you look at your post press capability first you batch products together to save on make readies and then from approval process how do we accelerate the decision to the customer to approve the job quicker to give us more choice on batching on press yeah so, you know but that that's you know it's it's a it's a soft education now because a lot of people, and, and again, I understand completely why, because customer is keen and all these things, but you can still deliver a true intelligent profile and sequence inside of what you do in pre-production to deliver more press capacity. Mm. So, so that, that, there's, there's, many different, there's many different components inside of that, Ross. The, the, the press is simply a byproduct of what you do. Yeah, and I think it was quite interesting what you said there as well about you know, the, the advancement of presses and, and the, you know, the, the, the technology, uh, you, it, that they can move quicker, they can produce quicker and, and, and make readies quicker and things like that. But that comes with the challenge of then having, having to feed that. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. it then puts a pressure on to, 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 to yeah, feed yeah. that. But, and then, it, like you're saying, and also you've got to think about your post press. Yeah, absolutely. But you think one of the reasons that we accelerated into B2 um, for JDP and Colvins is that I knew with the infrastructure we could create, I could be just as efficient as 67% of B1 printers. And we're showing that already. You know, we've got the highest yeah. utilized XL75 in the world, got the highest utilization series four and series five indicators of well, not because we're better than anybody. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but we can actually make our operating costs market effective to make sure we keep our sales funnel coming through. And that the first thing people say is oh, you're cheap. What does that mean? I don't even know what cheap means. What does that mean? Market price is market price. My job is to get an operating model in place so we can return a margin out of what the market price is. Our average order value through this business is £181. So I can transact at a 50, 60, 70 pound level better than most commercial pimps because we have no single touch point on our work coming into the business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's, I say there's many different ways. And, you know, I don't, this isn't about us being different. I have no want and I have no necessity to be a jobbing family-run print company has no interest in the slaves. Yeah. Our, our job is to grow this business, be aggressive in our growth, be controlled in our, our acquisition of capital equipment, and make sure that our, you know, our capacity works for us. Because having run companies that turn over $100 million and £100 million, it's all, it's all irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It's all absolutely irrelevant. Your capacity should work for you, not against you. Yeah, so we yeah. can, yeah, we can have com- continuous visibility of three to four days loading. Our confidence in our pricing model changes. It means we can make choice in our scheduling process. And as I said earlier, we then start to batch and productize what we do. That's nothing to do with the customer. The customer is still getting the price they require and the product on time when they require the quality levels they do. What we've done is create an infrastructure to give ourselves choice. Yeah. 
No, it's going and it's it's you know great to hear that the I've heard you mention a lot as well as part of that, Anthony, is is the people. Yeah. And and I think that you know when we talk about bionic a bionic business, we're talking about um it's technology and people combined. Um, and, and I can have all the best strategies in the world and all the best ideas in the world. They're pointless if I'm not surrounded by people who are better than their core subjects than me. You know, as, as an example, every single person who worked in this company has had significant pay increases since we started this process. This is about rewarding their effort and their, you know, their input to what we do. But I expect a lot. You know, I, I don't want you to be second best. I want you to be the absolute best of what you can be. And we will deliver. Yeah system and, a, and an environment where you get invested in as a person, you get invested in the technology, you need to do your job correctly, but also to have an, an open forum where, you know, you can have a clear indication, a clear idea, but, you know, I'd say 80% of my ideas are complete rubbish. So you have to have people around you to tell you that, you know, mm. so I think the people aspect of it is, you know, I said, I, I, I'm very fortunate that the core team have worked with me before. Um, so they know what we require. The great thing about now um, of adding, you know, the Culverance business into the JDP business and then recruiting another five people is we're going to have 20 new people in the next four yeah. to six weeks coming into this business. But I have absolute faith in our culture of what the expectation is. You know, don't be second best. I want us to be, you know, conviction and belief is everything in business. You know, yeah. You know, I have sleepless nights too many times a month about different, you know, growing quickly is great, but it has huge cash restraints on the business. Investing, mm, mm. investing aggressively has, has its own issues in itself. But I could yeah. not, I could not do that if I did not have the people around us to deliver what the strategy is. Yeah, and you, you very clearly have, you know, you mentioned there about culture, and, and uh, you know, how how would you go about creating that environment, that culture where? For example, you said there about people can can challenge you, and, and you mm-hmm. want people to challenge you. Um, so, how, have you any kind of points on that? And how how is it something? Now, you... I, I always make sure that if I two things, I always make sure if I go into a room with somebody smarter than me, the next time I go into that room, I'll be just as good as them on that subject. And secondary, I then throw different curveball situations into the environment to ensure that they understand what we're trying to deliver as a business. So. There's, there's many different ways you do that. I've been very fortunate in my working career. I've worked in every single department of the business. I've also understood from a, an emotional context about people who work on shifts, about what their partners have to do, about what their children do, what their home requirements are. And I think empathy is yeah. something that is important, but also a clear understanding of what they need to do as an employee and a colleague. You know, I, I hate disrespect between departments. I hate disrespect between colleagues on any level. You know, it's I don't, I don't, I don't want us to be surrounded with negative people, and the negative people will never survive in the world that we we operate in. You know, mm. it's, you know, we we have a, you know, we have an absolute clear strategy and structure about what we do. Culturally, mm. culturally, as I said, I, I, you know, I use social media for many different reasons: social media for client interactions, social media to give the team a, a, a broader base of acknowledgement about what a job they're doing. And also for them, you know, I've always said for me, if you go to the pub on a Friday night with your friends or out for dinner, I don't want you to say that you love this business. I just want you to say that you actually respect what we do. You enjoy working in there and it challenges you. And that for me yeah. is a test in me of our underlying belief of enjoyment, hard work and, you know, reinvigoration. Because the reason technology is so important is it keeps you interested in your job. 
So there's some really key things I'm picking up on there. It, it, it's one is that you you you, you uh, reward your 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 team for mm-hmm. for, for their efforts and and, and for, for for achievements. But uh, two, I picked up on there that you, you you're giving them clear um clear outline of what their role and what their purpose is. And, and I guess that that by by systemizing the business and by having processes in that that it becomes a um. It, they support each other, don't they? Because your system and your processes gives them a guideline of, of how you want things to be done, and that then gives clarity to them as to what my role is and and what I need what I need to do. But it also sounds like you you, you have that openness, in, you know, in, in the culture as well to to just yeah, have open say, conversations. Absolutely. So listen, I, I when I'm on site on both sites, I make sure I walk around every forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah. You know, my my role in the business is to ensure I know what people's home lives are about, what's going on there, you know, their personal mm, situations. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody has a you know a bad day. You know, I think it's for the, the thing about system and process is you allow your bad day not to affect the business. Mm. Um, I think also for me, as I said, is that, you know, don't be scared by technology. You know, we, we picked up a very antiquated business that was successful, as I, you know, I said at the outset. So when you start you know, when you start bypassing pre-press for 80% of your orders, that creates fear. But then yeah. what, that, what that allows you to do is then to grow around different customers, get all of your relevant positions, your proofing requirements, get them further in the production chain, manufacturing chain, yeah. and understand what the direct impact is from the first t- touch point in the company until the impact into post-press. So it gives, mm. you a better, it gives you a better sort of um, umbrella effect, and what I would say, a transparency, and also an equilibrium. You then understand as a colleague about what the direct impact if you do something incorrect away from the system, what the creation is downstream. Yeah, that's about, that's about respect, you know. So I, I I demand respect from each other. I think um, it's the most, as I say, integrity and respect in business is everything to me. Is how I was brought up, and from mm. that I will challenge you about how far you can take yourself. I don't like people yeah. accepting second best, as I said. You know, I want us to prove what we can do, and then we recreate. And every twelve months, you have to then break the business back apart and start again. And it's interesting that's you know psychologically that is often where a sense of purpose come comes in where you you, you challenge yourself in, 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 not not hugely in some way you know it's like if they talk about if you want to get a sense of purpose and achievement that you walk up a hill and then the next day you want to walk up a slightly bigger hill or a slightly steeper hill you don't go from walking up a little hill to then climbing Mount Everest. And, and, and that that's what feeds into giving you purpose and achievement, which which feeds into you know to people uh, being being happy with where they are and stuff. And and, and I think that that's clear what, what what's happening there. That you're maybe not purposeful. You don't even realise it, but you, you're by by challenging all the time and saying what can we do better? What can we do better? We you're pushing. The, the business and the team to, to do that so yeah, because uh, that, that's, that's, I, I think i think the most important thing inside of that ross as well is for my own personal development you know you, you can sit there and you can say that you've done this you've done that and have a nice easy life which i could have done to be brutally honest <laughs> but but if you don't have your own personal development at the heart of that then yeah. how can you expect yeah. the people around you to move forward with you i don't yeah. claim i don't claim to know everything i want to know everything and want to be the best that i can be but also i want the guys around me to know that if i'm that way inclined and i want to I go back to my old football days, you know, 
every season you start with the first game again and there's 42 league games and you've got to prove yourself by the end of the season. And you have to prove yourself every day in training and you have to prove yourself every Saturday and Tuesday that you're going to be picked again for the next game. Yeah. Bus- business is exactly the same. Strategy, tactics, you have strength. You know, I-, I compete against some wonderful companies in the industry and I compete against some weaker ones. Well, my job is to make sure I take as much work off the weaker ones and make myself better to be against the stronger ones. Yeah. You, know, you always have to have that understanding about the marketplace you're operating. And, mm. sport, and sport has always taught me that, is that, you know, you have to recreate yourself every 12 to 18 months. And that's not about changing for change's sake. It's about keeping yourself ahead of the market or relevant to your client base. Yeah. Very true. Very true indeed. And when, when we, 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 we talked about people as well there, um, I, I know when we uh, did an interview a while back for some PR, Anthony, that you, you talked about um, taking on apprentices, you know, to, to, to grow your team uh, and, as, as part of that. Um, it, it, why, what, you know, what, what, first of all, how, how easy did you find it to find, uh, attract new blood in, into the industry? Because I know that's something that the industry often talks about as a challenge and, and, and what made you take that decision? Well, I think there's, there's three different points to that. Firstly, I've always been a huge believer, uh, even at my time in, at ESP, we had a target of four apprentices a year. You, you naturally waste two because they move on to different things. So having that, that natural injection of male and female youth into the business is very important to combine with the experience. Secondary, when we turn up in this business, um, it was absolutely going to be pivotal to us to start to attract young people into it because the average age of the business was in the high high 40s, yeah. which is great. It's a great time in terms of experience, but as a business, we've got to be looking in the next five to seven years what we need to do as an organization. So we've, we've now, um, to answer your question, it was quite difficult at the start because of the pandemic to recruit youngsters in, but we've been lucky enough now that we've got our fourth just start and we're still, yeah. trying, to, still trying to attract more because, you know, and this isn't the case of getting them in on a low wage. We automatically put them on an accelerated pay increase scheme for two years. So oh, by, wow. the time they, by the time they finish that, they'll be on double what the apprenticeship rate is minimum if they do what is required of them. Mm-hmm. I think we've got great experience in the business, which is what you'd expect from a you know a 45-year-old printing business. So we've got the combination of youth, appetite. You know, We've also got the experience there to choose. You still have to have a true understanding of how print works. Technology is wonderful, but you still have to understand the craft of what's inside of it. Yeah. Um, and then the final component of our investment in youth is we have a young guy here called Chase, who's 20 years old, who from the first moment I met him saw a massive talent one of the biggest talents i've seen and um my and andy's job andy and i's job is now to develop him we have we've had him on a fast track since we took the business over um rewarded him very well during this process as well but he has the ability and the drive to do whatever he wants so our job is ensure we give him an infrastructure and a support mechanism to do what he needs to do I'd be very disappointed and not putting too much pressure on him because he knows this. <laughs> if, he, if he's not running this this business by the time he's 24, 25, then we have not done what we need to do as an organisation with him. I was going to say, coming behind this is, is, is clearly, like you mentioned, your your path. You, you, yeah. At 24, you were the MD of right. a business. And so somebody yeah. saw something in you and gave you that opportunity and, and, and at that, that point, you know, and... I'm guessing that's filtering through into your businesses. That you, you, you see the value in, in, in the in the younger generation in your business, and absolutely, and absolutely. to give them I, an opportunity. I, I think it, I think anybody is capable of doing whatever they want to do as long as they have a bit of support. 
Mm. Now, listen, we cannot run a business where everybody wants to run the company. That's impossible. But every now and again, you'll see a chink and you'll see an ability there that can be, you know, finessed, enhanced, driven, understanding about expectation levels that your standards can never drop. You know, and and he and we will have others. We've got another. Again, it's not just about a male-dominated industry. You know, we've got uh, 25% of our workforce is is female. So great sort of great balance about what you do in terms of actually how you conduct yourself in the workplace, how you actually have different skill sets in different areas. Yeah. And we've got a young guy that is yeah same. And I hope we get another one or two come through as well. You know, and I think Mm. to to answer your question. There's no point in us being the the voice of everything, and we have no succession coming behind it. Absolutely yeah. pointless. And you know, I've been asked before what I want to do and what I want to achieve. Listen, money to one side, you know, because listen, I've been lucky enough and done well enough in my working career that there's only many so many things you can do. Secondly, I would love to leave a legacy in this industry because it's been very good to me for a long period of time to answer the outset about technology. Technology is a fantastic thing if you embrace it. And I want to ensure that we have a team of people coming behind us to take the industry on for the next 20, 25 years. That's what I want. Because for me, that will be the true benefit of what we've been doing for the last nine months here, but also what I've been trying to do for a career for the last 25 years. Yeah. There's, no point, there's no point retiring and going playing golf and you don't think you've left anything behind you. I want to make sure that we've got a development path of people who, because of what we've created, can move our industry forward. Because, you know, I can't think of any other industry where you you come in on a working day and you do, do not know what you're going to have in terms of orders. You do not know what you're going to have in terms of product configuration. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I say it. If you look at what I would love to do as a career, would be a Formula One racing engineer or a city broker. Well, in print, you get both every day. Yeah. Yeah, you, you certainly do, certainly do, don't you? It's um, and I think that's a, a very true point, and and I think as well the, the having having apprentices and, and uh, you know attracting new talent in, into your business, it, it is is really important for driving technology as well, isn't it? Because they they they're more adept and more familiar with with technologies that we're not adept with, and and also they're representative of what the future customer is going to be uh, as as, as you buy you know absolutely if you you look at um if you look at the psychological nature of how business works you see now how the buying behavior of everybody changed through the pandemic everything's about convenience and ease of use and actually using you know an application or an app of any configuration of device to actually get what you need print is still slightly different in the sense that once you get over that value of around a thousand pounds, it's all about emotional context and the customer mm. feeling supported and the experience of what that means. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I look at what we've got. We, we cannot get any higher in terms of technology, in terms of what we do in digital print or um, analog litho print. Mm. So once you get into systemizing that and process orientation is about then having a different blend of youth and experience to drive the business, business forward. And I'm, I, you know, we're very lucky here, Ross, we've got six to eight guys who've been doing this a long time and they are absolutely to a person outstanding with the youngsters in the company yeah and that 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 that's that's fortunate that that's not that wasn't by strategy we were just lucky yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely we're just very lucky that we've got some very good people and it gives you a real hope that these you know these guys coming through will be given everything you know the opportunity to impress the opportunity to 
move forward to develop, but also having a sensible pair of experienced hands that sometimes drag them back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had that growing up in, in sport. I had it growing up in businesses. You have to have somebody looking out for you when you're young. You have to have that because we think we're invincible when we're that age. And certainly with the young guy I mentioned earlier, he thinks he's going to take on the world already. And yeah. the, re- the reality is there's a lot of mistakes to be made in between there and arriving at where he is. So I get you. We we need mentors, don't we, uh, to, to to help us. And 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 on that subject, like, do you have someone that you would class as as your mentor even now? That somebody that you would look to or or consult with or yeah, or take I, inspiration I, 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 from? I think I was very lucky going back to um, I worked with a gentleman called Steve Whitford down at Pepper in Plymouth who was very yeah. lucky very lucky to be very friendly with the family from our school days. And then subsequently went into business and he was an outstanding, without even realizing what he was doing for me back then. Um, unfortunately, he passed away from us um, several years ago. But secondary on the back of that, I've got um, Stefan Plentz, who was an old board member of Heidelberg, who brought me into yeah. the organization. Um, you know, and I think for me, I'm lucky then I've got, you know, some of your customers, Kevin over at Seaway, Todd at Cobra, yeah. a couple of friends down in, you know, in Australia. And I wouldn't say they're your mentors, but I look up to them, and so I can bounce things off them and get a very, yeah. a very sort of um, constructed answer back on how things are. And you know, I think that's a wonderful thing about our industry. You know, the next, you know, I say even over years, you look at Keith and I have had many fallouts, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also I valued his opinion on on a lot of things that we developed. So a men- mentor one or two, as I mentioned, but in terms of. Um, a support network that keeps you driving yourself forward then i'm very lucky i've got several people around that space yeah yeah i think yeah it's a it's, it's a, a cliche uh, you know a, a bit of an old cliche saying but it's your network is your net worth isn't it and, and, and but i think it's there's so much truth in, in that and and i always like to, to kind of ask that question because it's it's i think having we, we, having a mentor whether it's a, a formal one or an informal one it, 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 and you might not even realise you've got one sometimes, but but it, it is is a great way to, to to develop yourself. And whether it's within the field of what you do or outside the field, um, it can really help to to, to challenge you and and, and 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 grow as a person, which then helps you to grow your, your, your you know you and your role or you and your business. Um, well, it, it, I think you look at the thing now. We've got a business now that is with the world opening back up. You know, we've got a. So the guys who work in the development and technology side, I don't want them just to hear the same voice as me. So we've already opened them, obviously through yourselves. We've got a couple of guys working in different scenarios where they're meeting, you know, peers in the industry. We've already accepted four visits on behalf of Heidelberg and Indigo that are going to happen during the course of the summer. Where, for me, it's very important that you have a breadth of understanding. So not only what we do, but also you have people to cite. One of the reasons I always accepted people coming to the site was to sense check what you were doing, and you'd mm-hmm. always meet you always meet smarter people than you. Yeah. And so if if we're doing something here well that people want to come and see, great. But also for me, it's the reverse benefit of that as well. It gives mm-hmm. the team and it gives the team and the guys a little bit of acknowledgement that what we what we're trying to do must be doing something to a level that people appreciate. Yeah. But also, but also for them, they will start to create their own network, like you say, and actually start to understand it. You know, the more that you talk to people in our industry, the more you will develop and the better this business will be on the back of it. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that that's for, it goes for any business, whether it's in this 
you know, printing or, or, or any sector, packaging or, or, or you know, tourism or uh, a, a retail or whatever, it, it's that, that, that's where, where it comes from, isn't it? By having that network and, and, and um, building them connections, because you just never know what, what comes out of, of that. And, and by telling people what you do, it, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what comes out just by having a conversation of, of telling people what you do. And that might be completely unrelated, but then all of a sudden something comes out of that. Well, I think that's the thing for us, as you know, is that you, know, you, have, a, you have a framework and you have a, a clear indication of what you want to do as a strategy. What you then realize over the years is that you have fundamental flaws and things that you've done previously. Mm. And then having been out of the direct manufacturing space for six years, you know, and doing the flights, as I said earlier, you have a lot of thinking time about the mistakes you made. And that's why I wanted to make sure when we came back into it that I knew where the pitfalls would be this time. I knew mm. where I knew where the headaches would be. I knew where the holdups would be. So, you know, what took me several years to develop before we done in four months. Yeah. So and that wasn't because we're, we're much better now. Of course, things have moved on. But you learn from your mistakes. And I think that's the most important thing as a team of people. You mistakes are good as long as you understand and you learn from them. You know, I always say making a mistake a day is fantastic as long as we're improving the process every day and making ourselves better and more equipped for what the future is going to hold for us. And technology does that. You know, I I've always been, as you guys know, I've always wanted to be at the forefront. You know, I've driven you yeah. guys mad over the years because it's a case of what the available capability is there. And with with tech, yeah, yeah, anything's feasible. Anything is feasible mm. right now. You know, what we've done within the DFE architecture within the individual world has been astonishing, if I'm honest. But what we've done is fantastic. I've been very lucky in the Heidelberg world that we developed push to stop. So the integration and the capability levels of that have been brilliant for us. But you're talking about preparation and people and process. We had an older piece of equipment that was 10 years old, but we were still outperforming that platform anywhere in the world. That was nothing to do with the machine per se. It was the process and infrastructure we put around the machine. Yeah. You know, when you talk about scheduling, incremental scheduling, incremental scheduling is one of the best things that we ever developed as a team previously. Because once you learn how to control ink water balance in air and pneumatics and performance and speed, it focuses the mind at every single decision and touch point before you start printing a sheet of paper. Yeah. So, so what I'm trying to say is that we knew what technology was coming in, but we used the older framework to develop the technology for what was going to be put in place. And I'm always amazed, you, you know, when you order a printing machine, as an example, you have 26 weeks before it's delivered. I would say nine out of 10 people do not do a single change to their process to get prepared for what this multi-million investment is going to do and then complain after six months that they're not achieving the output numbers that they thought they would. Nothing, yeah. to do with a, nothing to do with a machine. Nothing. It's about preparing for a business mindset. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, I think it's it's, a, it's the same for any project, really, isn't it? Whether it's a piece of equipment, technology, or, or you know whatever you you need to prepare for that and start aligning your business for it and, and thinking about what 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 changes you need to make well, to make think, that happen. You know, we've got very much a philosophy, as I said earlier. We need to be not breaking the business apart. You know, I say that internally because we have to be challenging ourselves every twelve months while we're doing the right thing. And if we, if, we, if we sit there saying yes, then we have got some fundamentally big issues ahead of ourselves because you never get it right. You can always improve. You can always drive things forward. You know, scalability, agility, adaptability, whatever phrase people want to use, you have to keep yourself moving forward. Because if you don't do that in this industry now, you will die very quickly. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's um, you've got to keep 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 challenging, haven't you, and keep on uh, reviewing what 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 you what you're doing and what you're planning to do, and and uh, and, and have have the people to help you do that as well. I, Anthony, I, I think you know, just talking to you today, you, you are a true example of 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 a, of a bionic business. You know, bringing technology, culture, uh, and, and, and uh, process and, and people together. Um, to, 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 to grow and, and drive a business um, and, and I've really enjoyed talking to you about this today as a, as a closing question if you were talking to your uh, 18 year old self now what's what's the what's the advice that you would give yourself good question what would I be telling myself learn that one day that you can be happy with what you got and stop being unsatisfied that you want to keep pushing things forward because internal peace is something that I would search for massively. So stop being so impatient and the good things will come through. Very good advice. Very good advice indeed. Anthony, thank you very much for uh, your time today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I wish we could, uh, could keep on talking. Maybe we have to do a follow-up and, and, and uh, see where, uh, where, where you are in, in a year's time or something. I'd, I'd love to follow that journey. So, thank you very much for your time. My uh, absolute, and, um, absolute pleasure, Ross. Thank you very much for your time. And hope to uh, speak to you again soon.